Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey, and one more time, in the words of Jason Derulo, I'm riding solo. Brendan is better, but not well, folks, so I will not be uh, disclosing his medical information, uh, but he's not well, has had to get some treatment. Uh, It is not COVID uh, for anybody that was curious about that. Uh, but it is something that afflicts his voice and his ability to speak, certainly for uh, an hour plus about the Chicago Cubs. So it is just me once again. I will say at the outset, uh, thank you guys for bearing with us. Uh, You know, Brendan tweeted about it this afternoon, uh, but we do appreciate, you know, you guys, uh, I think, tune in for the dynamic of Brendan and I, not just one of us. But you're stuck with me again. So thank you for bearing with us. It's an unforeseen medical issue. And hopefully Brendan will be joining us uh, after the Padres series, certainly, if not then, uh, next weekend when we wrap up the next week of Chicago Cubs baseball. But in the meantime, we have a another series win for the Cubs. Uh, they do drop the finale on Sunday in somewhat uninspiring fashion, but the Cubs winning two of three here with the Reds to continue their winning ways, this time back at Wrigley Field as they get set to welcome the San Diego Padres at the beginning of the week. So this is the fifth series now that the Cubs have won in a row dating back to the Detroit series. They lost those two games in Cleveland, but they take uh, two of three from Detroit, three of four from Washington, two of three from the Cardinals, a sweep of the Pirates in Pittsburgh, and then this uh, two of three taken from Cincinnati this weekend at Wrigley Field. So it has been a nice stretch for the Chicago Cubs here. They are winning games. They are getting through it uh, despite a ton of guys on the injured list and more guys going on the injured list in this series against the Reds. So it it never seems to stop there. I talked uh, a little bit in the last episode that I did uh, solo about how this is something you're just kind of seeing across Major League Baseball and, and something I think that even as guys come back for the Cubs, you're going to have to just deal with and and get used to. So I will touch on all of that, uh, and I will have a recap, uh, a quick one of these three games for you. But I want to start just sort of on a, a personal note. I was able to get back to Wrigley Field on Friday. Uh, I was at every game this weekend. I hope to be going to, you know, most of the games going forward. Uh, They still haven't really settled, like, what's going to happen with the season tickets and stuff like that. 
Um, we got the emails, I think, through this series with the Padres. So once this homestand ends, um, and then I think the Cardinals come to town in the middle of the month and don't really know the ticket situation on that. I would think that perhaps the Cubs and City of Chicago are, you know, working maybe to up capacity or figure out what they're doing there. Uh, but we will see. Either way, I was able to get back uh, this weekend on Friday was my first game. I think the last time it was at Wrigley Field was the Red Series, or excuse me, the Cardinal Series in 2019, which I think was around like September 18th-ish, September 18th, September 19th of 2019. So it was about 619 days, I think, when I did some rough math uh, via Google to help me out there. So getting back to Wrigley on Friday was incredible. I don't know if all of you have had the opportunity to get back. I don't know if, you know, if you don't live in Chicago and uh, are able to get back to something else that you love doing that you had not been able to do in a long time because of the pandemic. Uh, But I I hope you are able to do that, whether it's Wrigley Field or somewhere else, because uh, what a wonderful experience that was to be back at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field amongst my fellow Cubs fans. Um, You know, just every little part of it really uh, just sort of touched at the heartstrings, right? Like just hearing the organ playing, uh, you know, the Cubs have a new PA announcer, hearing him introduce the lineups and doing the reads before the game, seeing the Ivy, which is in full bloom now here at the end of May in Chicago, the the roar of the crowd, the seventh inning stretch. I mean, you know, just the things that perhaps you might uh, have taken for granted before. Um, but, you know, like Wayne Mesmer singing the um, national anthem on Friday before the game, every little thing I, I found uh, to just be appreciating as much as I possibly could because it was just so nice to be back there, uh, you know, throughout the whole pandemic. I think a lot of us wished we could be there, dreamed of being there again, and, and you know, certainly felt how much we missed it and, and the presence in our lives. So it was really, really nice to be back there. The weather on Friday was terrible, but Saturday and Sunday had, uh, you know, clear blue skies, uh, sunny, you know, you can, if you if you were watching the games, you could definitely envision how Pat Hughes would eloquently have painted you a picture of just a, a picture-perfect day in Chicago and at Wrigley Field. So it was really, really great to be back. Um, I think it's about, uh, what is it, like 60% capacity right now. I think it was around like 24,000 fans out of the normal 40, 41-ish that they, that they can squeeze in there. So certainly felt uh, scarce. But, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me of being at a game that had like a, a lengthy rain delay or maybe went to like the 10th inning or something like that, and the crowd like kind of thins out, but it's still like sort of full. That's how it felt. Um, and it, it, the atmosphere was really great. And I know we're kind of deep into this season, so not everybody's going to their first game uh, like I was at this point. But you can just sort of tell, like, the little things, you know, uh, the, the YMCA when they do an opposing pitcher change. They're, they're just showing everybody on the video board, and clearly everybody is just so happy to be back and to be out enjoying the world again and being around other people and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, personally, it was uh, definitely quite the experience. I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit to you all, uh, you know, Friday walking in there, there, there was definitely a few tears. It was uh, just so nice to be back there and, 
see Wrigley Field again in in all of its glory. It it, it was a moment I had anticipated, and walking up those steps, uh, you guys know it, you know, behind home plate, you walk up those steps, and and Wrigley kind of reveals itself to you uh, in all its glory, and uh, glory it is indeed. So that was uh, really, really nice. I'm very happy to be back. I was hoping to, you know, deliver a sweep for you guys. I think I did, you know, keep my word in terms of taking care of business, uh, but would have liked to have gotten a sweep instead of just two out of three. But really wonderful to be back at Wrigley Field, to be back just in the neighborhood and, you know, have that Cubs game weekend atmosphere again. You know, people around the ballpark, people going to the ballpark. Um, it was really, really great. And if you haven't been able to do it, I, I hope you're able to do it soon. So, um, that is kind of my story. I did, you know, I got my hot dog with my grilled onions. So all is right in the world, uh, at least in the, you know, microcosm that is my life. So that was great. Uh, thank you guys for, you know, indulging me on, uh, talking about, you know, how, great that was and how great it felt to be back there. Um, But that is my story in terms of getting back to Wrigley Field. As far as, you know, like if anybody, if any of you were wondering, you know, about the the COVID measures and and stuff like that, it it felt very safe. Uh, You know, it's still sort of distance in terms of depending on where you're sitting, but, you know, not all the sections are full or like crammed full of people. Um, You know, there's hand sanitizer everywhere. A lot of people, you know, with their masks on if they're not eating and stuff like that. Um, There's a lot of hand washing stations. A lot of the food is touchless now. So it's definitely a different experience. There's a lot that uh, I think if you haven't been to Wrigley, you know, even just since they were last allowing fans, but even before that, you know, there's definitely some stuff that's a little different. But uh, it, it felt very good. It felt very, you know, comfortable and, you know, honestly, like pretty normal. Like there's obviously some stuff that's still unique, right? Like um, a lot of, you know, still masks being worn and, you know, certainly there wasn't this much hand sanitizer all over Wrigley Field before. Uh, but in general, felt very normal, especially, you know, once I had had gone on Friday and then was able to go on Saturday and Sunday too. You know, by the time Sunday came around, I felt you know, kind of just back in the swing of things, you know, um, pretty much no different than the past years when I was going to so many games and stuff like that. You sort of just fall right back into it, I guess, um, after such a long delay and, and such a, you know, unique and, and trying experience that we've all gone through. Um, was nice and, and felt normal and, and yeah, was really happy to be back there. So that is my story on that. So with that, let me jump into uh, a quick recap of this Red Series an interesting series, uh, you know, not uh, too much going on on the on-field portion. It's, you know, kind of mostly uh, what is going on with the Cubs roster and how they are going to navigate the future here. But let's start with Friday. Friday, pretty simple. Uh, it was one to nothing. It was cold. It was rainy. The wind was howling in. I think there was a couple balls for sure taken away uh, in terms of home run balls from either side that I think probably would have been uh, home runs on a different day, but they were not on this day. So Adbert Alzali gets the win. He goes five and two-thirds, five hits, no runs, three walks, and six strikeouts. So an uncharacteristic day for Adbert. Uh, you don't normally see him walk uh, really any guys. He has a lot of starts where he doesn't walk anybody. Uh, and so to see him not only walk a guy, but three guys, it was interesting. Uh, you know, so clearly battling command a little bit there. Um, but you know, still getting six strikeouts and, and almost getting through the, 
uh, sixth inning there. So a nice job for him. He does pick up the W and the lone run of the game in this one. Coming in the fifth inning, David Bodie hits a line drive home run into the basket in left field, cutting through that wind. Uh, So really nice to see from Bodie. Unfortunately, uh, he would not make it out of this series healthy like a lot of the other players that we have seen. So more on that in a second. But before I I go forward, I I do want to note Andrew Chafin came in, one and a third, two hits, no runs, no walks, one strikeout. Tommy Nance, uh, one inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, one strikeout. And Craig Kimbrell getting his 12th save of the year, one inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. That was continuing the Cubs bullpen scoreless streak that did end uh, on this particular weekend. So it was a very nice streak, but we'll talk about that in a second. But still worth noting, uh, Andrew Chafin coming in and putting out the fire, you know, the fire, but uh, coming in and inheriting a runner there to relieve Alzali in the sixth inning. And we talked about this, I think the last time that Brendan was on, but Tommy Nance getting big spots, guys. I mean, this was the eighth inning in a one to nothing game. Uh, obviously, the wind was blowing in and, you know, the, the circumstances at Wrigley Field were certainly pitcher-friendly, but Tommy Nance is has gotten the trust of David Ross and Tommy Hadovy and this team, and he is being given shutdown spots and, you know, spots with key holds and setup positions, and he is so far converting them. His ERA is still sitting at zero. It's already his third hold of the season, so Tommy Nance continues to be a guy to look out for. The one thing I want to say uh, about this game, and when I when I do these episodes solo, I, I don't move through the recap as quickly as I normally would because it's easier for me talking to myself to just sort of offer some thoughts on the particular game rather than setting it up for a conversation with me and Brendan. Uh, so not normally how I would do it, but, you know, again, bear with me here. The, the only thing I really want to say about this is I think pretty rarely in the history of this podcast do Brendan and I come on here to complain about the umpires. We're not fans of umpires. I think you guys know this by now, but it it never really um, seems useful to complain about them, uh, especially on a podcast where I can't show you guys the calls I'm talking about or I can't show you the zone or things like that. It just isn't particularly useful. I also don't like to have too much of a, um, you know, sore loser vibe if it is after a loss or something like that. Um, you know, where I'm complaining about the umpire instead of, you know, the Cubs just getting it done, whatever, right? So it, I, I don't normally do it, but a, the zones apparently all weekend. I, I was at the game, so harder for me to tell. I don't really look at game day, uh, you know, while I'm sitting there. But reading tweets from a lot of you guys and and just the general Cubs Twitter vibe uh, certainly sounded like the strike zones were uh, a big mess this weekend. Uh, Joe West was the umpire on Sunday. He's absolutely one of the worst in the game, so that's not surprising. Usually makes it about himself. Uh, so that's, you know, that certainly wasn't surprising. But My issue on Friday is with the last pitch that Azalei threw, uh, which was his third walk of the game and ultimately his last batter because David Ross comes out to get him uh, to bring in Andrew Chafin to, you know, relieve Azalei. Azalei had, you know, it was his 103rd pitch of the game and it was on the black. It was right there. Uh, And when you look at the replay, it was certainly a borderline pitch, but it definitely caught some of the zone. 
And my issue is something that Ryan Dempster talked about on the uh, replay of the game on Marquee that I was watching the other night. And, you know, his sentiment was basically, as a pitcher, you're out there, you're grinding, you're over 100 pitches, you're trying to get through the sixth inning here, and you made a good pitch. You made a pitcher's pitch. It's right there in that type of count, in a full count. The guy takes it. You can definitely ring him up on this pitch, right? And he doesn't get that call. And again, it was a strike. It, it caught the zone. My my issue is that this is one of those spots where I do complain about umpires because this changes the trajectory of his start and it changes the trajectory of the game for the Cubs. So instead of a six inning quality start and a win for a young pitcher who is trying to, you know, again, progress as much as he can in his young career, build himself into that, you know, future top of the line, frontline starter for this team, you take that away from him. And now he's got a a five and two thirds start the bullpen has to come in to relieve him. So now the bullpen for David Ross is started on an earlier track. They have to come in in the sixth to get one out. So now Andrew Chafin has to roll over and go back out there for another inning, sit down, come back out there. And they did it. They won the game one to nothing. So it's not that big a deal. But for a pitcher in Alzali's position, and as he's you know trying to build his career and build himself into the pitcher that he and the Cubs want him to be, it would have been nice if he could have had a six-inning quality start, also pick up the W, then Chafin is able to come in just in the seventh, have a normal clean inning, right? So it's not that big a deal, but it's just one of those things where Adbert made the pitch. The pitch was a strike. He should have gotten the strikeout. His his day should have ended with seven strikeouts and two walks, not six strikeouts and three walks, and it should have been a quality start. So these are just little things, and whether a guy gets a quality start or not doesn't really matter in the you know physical world, right, too much. It, it's just a stat, but it, it just would have been nice aesthetically and just for Ad Barrett's confidence and, you know, his his overall game log and, and just everything. He should have gotten that pitch, and it's annoying that, you know, the umpire squeezes him on the 103rd pitch of the day uh, for another walk. It's just annoying. It bothers me. And, you know, then when you watch the zone be, you know, just a mess all weekend, it's just like, okay, here we go with the umpires again, right? So it is what it is, but it's just annoying. Anyway, going to Saturday. This one is a 10 to 2 Cubs win. The the score, you know, I it was a pretty close game for most of this game. It was 2 to nothing, uh, the Cubs getting two in the bottom of the second. It was 2 to nothing all the way through the 5th until the Reds tied it in the 6th and then the Cubs put up a four spot in response in the bottom of the 6th. Um so it you know, it was one of those games that like by the end of it felt like, you know, a bit of a blowout but didn't really feel that way for the majority of the game. Um, but either way, uh, a win is a win. So the Cubs winning this one and picking up the series. Zach Davies started this game, five innings, two hits, one earned, two walks, and three strikeouts. He only threw 65 pitches in this one. So again, this is another one where uh, David Ross just sort of picks those moments and decides, I you know, am, am not going to have 
Zach Davies uh, continue here and, you know, go through uh, the order again, and I'm just going to trust my bullpen. So that is uh, what we have seen kind of from David Ross a little bit. Now, the inning started with uh, Davies walking Eugenio Suarez to start the sixth, uh, and then he brought in Rex Brothers to face Jesse Winker, and then, you know, ultimately uh, Castellanos, who followed. So, he did let him go out there for the sixth, um, but, you know, just decided again, like, you know, even with that low pitch count, he didn't want him pitching to Winker again, didn't want him pitching to Castellanos again. I, you know, it was an interesting spot. It ends up, uh, you know, the the runs do score uh, eventually, so it, it was a risky call, and I, I think, you know, rarely so far this year have I taken too much exception to stuff that David Ross has done, bullpen-wise or lineup-wise and things like that. I think he's been pretty good about it, especially with, you know, how many injuries and, you know, just different things have gone on with this team. Um, I probably would have let Davies work through this. I thought it was interesting. You know, brothers hadn't pitched, uh, I think, in over a week coming into this game. And, you know, the main issue with him in the past has been his command. So I thought it was an odd spot to not let Davies continue um, you know, again, Saturday as well was a more pitcher-friendly environment, not so much as uh, Friday, I don't think. Uh, at times, the wind was really howling in, though. And, you know, to bring in a guy that hadn't pitched in a while and has command issues, you know, and he walks Winker, Rex Brothers walks Winker to start things, it was, um, you know, I just think a curious choice. Um, but, at the end of the day, the bullpen has been so good, uh, and, you know, Davies is one of those guys, I guess, who, you know, you just do want to be careful with uh, going through the order so many times, but, you know, just interesting. I, I probably would have let Davies try to get through there just because the pitch count was so low. You know, it's not he wasn't hovering around 90, um, so I would have let him try it, but it is what it is. Uh, anyway, the Cubs getting their runs in this one. In the second, it was an Eric Sogard infield single, bringing home a run, and then Zach Davies singling on a bunt uh, to bring home another run. So the Reds' defense, uh, not good. Not good. Just that that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Tyler Stevenson would tie things up with a double in the top of the sixth, and then in the bottom of the sixth, the Cubs opened this one up with a four spot. It started with Amir Garrett walking Eric Sogard to bring in Ian Happ. That made it three to two. Crowd loved that. Uh, let me tell you something, being back at Wrigley Field, uh, the uh, Wrigley faithful, and justifiably so, uh, not big fans of one Amir Garrett. Uh, the Boo Birds, even for a limited capacity, were quite loud. So, uh, that was fun, watching him walk in a run. Javi certainly uh, taking note of that on the bench if you were watching a game on marquee. Jock Peterson followed with a two-RBI single. Chris Bryant followed with one of his own, only one RBI, and that made it 6-2 to two in the seventh. Rafael Ortega with his first home run making it 7-2. to two. In the 8th, the Cubs would add a few more on a Javi Baez RBI single and an Ian Happ 2 RBI single. That would give them double digits on the day. A 10 spot, 10 runs on 13 hits for your Chicago Cubs. So that was very nice to see. 
And the bullpen following Zach Davies, uh, Rex Brothers, does get charged with an earned run in this one. Behind him, Keegan Thompson, Ryan Tapera, Brad Week, and Dylan Maples were all very good. No walks from that group, just a couple of scattered hits. Uh, Thompson with one strikeout, Tapera with two, and Week with two as well. So that was the pitching story, and really the story for the game on Saturday. Uh, The one thing I do want to note, that run that Rex Brothers gives up is the first in 38 and a third. We had been keeping track of that Cubs bullpen scoreless streak, and uh, that that was it. 38 and a third innings. And actually now, since that, they are back up to another nine innings of scoreless relief. So, uh, you know, needless to say, this bullpen's been really good. And, you know, again, that that was a tough spot. I, I mean, Brothers has been pretty good for the Cubs on the year. He walks two guys, gives up the run, does strike out one in just a third of an inning of work there on Saturday. Um, And, you know, not to make excuses for it, but I just think it's worth noting as the bullpen hadn't given up a run in almost 40 innings, that was not necessarily a surprising spot. As I said, you brought in a guy who had not worked in a while, who has command issues, and you brought him in with a guy on first base to face the middle of uh, the Reds' order. So it wasn't exactly surprising that that is the first spot. Uh, I don't know that Rex Brothers was necessarily set up to succeed there. So um, that was really the story in that one, but really impressive from the bullpen. So that streak is over, but they've begun another one. Uh, but as it ends, I you know I think really worth highlighting just how impressive that streak was and how important it was as you're looking at the Cubs winning these games and you know the Cardinals lost on Sunday as well. So the Cubs sitting a half a game out of first place. You know the the, the bullpen has been a huge, huge, huge contributor to that success. Uh, and hopefully, you know, this uh, current streak, uh, scoreless streak, is on its way to being just as long. So that was the story. On Saturday, the big news uh, is David Bodie leaving this one with a shoulder injury. I will touch on that when I finish up with this recap in a second because we did get an update on that, uh, but certainly a, a scary-looking scene there. He looked to be in a lot of pain. Uh, but 10-2, to 2, the final on Saturday, and we will touch on that in a second. On Sunday, it was a 5-1 to one Reds win. Not too much doing here. Jake Arrieta was not good in this game. The command was not there. Just three and two-thirds innings, six hits, five runs. Only two of them earned. The Cubs defense also not great in this game. Uh, Chris Bryant and Patrick Wisdom both with errors there. Jake walks four and strikes out three, gives up one home run. He just wasn't great. Didn't have it from the jump. The first inning was messy all around for the Cubs. They fall into an early three to nothing hole, and they don't do much against Tyler Malley and the Reds bullpen, so there just was not a lot doing here. The Cubs only muster four hits, those coming from Jock Peterson, Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, and Patrick Wisdom. So not too much to report really on the game from Sunday. It was sort of just uh, a simple loss, you know, not that big a deal. But the Cubs take two of three. They win the series, so I think we can allow it. Uh, Some things to note in this game. Again, you know, like I said, the bullpen building that streak up. So after Arietta, bullpen very good. Brad Week, an inning and a third, one hit. 
Uh, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout. Rex Brothers comes back uh, for another outing on Sunday. Clean inning, just one inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts. Dylan Maples, uh, you know, pretty solid two innings of work. He walks two, but also strikes out two, doesn't give up any hits, no runs. And Dan Winkler with a clean inning and a strikeout. His ERA sitting at 0.5. Dan Winkler putting together a very nice series here. So that is the story from this Red series. Uh, Again, you know, not a, a super exhilarating series, I guess, but the Cubs finding ways, again, continuing to find ways to win games. So let's talk about the roster. So David Bodie uh, has a shoulder dislocation. That is the official word, and the good news is that it is not separated. Um, I am not a doctor, uh, and I do not pretend to be one, uh, but the quote from David Ross was, we got the best news we can possibly get on him. So, you know, clearly uh, a dislocated shoulder is not great, and he was in some pain, uh, and, you know, certainly that may be an issue that pops up, um, you know, but a, a pretty common thing that's going to get referenced is I believe Fernando Tatis Jr. had a similar thing and he did have to go on the IL, but, you know, able to come back. And uh, if you watch Tatis Jr. at all, it, he certainly doesn't seem any worse for wear for it. Um, so they should be without Bodie for a little bit. Uh, but when you were watching the play, you know, it kind of had that look of like, okay, well, I don't know how long, you know, I don't know when we're going to see David Bodie again. So this is good news. uh, And, you know, just in terms of depth, uh, you know, really what the Cubs need. So we'll see how long David is out. We certainly don't have a timeline on that uh, so far. He was placed on the 10-day IL to start um, instead of the 60-day IL. And, you know, you can kind of read into that. I think if they thought the injury was worse, you can always reevaluate these things. Um, But when, if they don't, if they felt it was really bad and they were certainly going to be without him for a while, they could have just put him on the 60-day L right away. So, um, you know, that is good news. Uh, It sounds like good news all around, at least the best news that you could have gotten uh, when you're dealing with an injury. So the other injury, uh, well, you know, I don't know if this is called an injury, uh, surgery. Uh, Trevor Williams had an appendectomy on Sunday. That came after the game, I believe, on Sunday, and he was supposed to start for the Cubs on Monday evening. So now they have a TBD to open that series. I would assume Keegan Thompson is in that mix, maybe just to serve as an opener for a few innings. Um, there's different options that the Cubs can go with, but this is certainly, you know, kind of quick news. So if you're, li- I'm recording this at about 11 on Sunday night in Chicago. If you're listening to this on Monday, the Cubs have probably made a decision there, so check on that and see who they are going to go with to start the game on Monday evening. Um, that's, you know, hopefully something that doesn't really uh, impede Williams' progress too much, um, but he'll have to miss some time, I, I, I would think. Um, so, uh, you know, at least it derails him just a little bit. Um it, either way, it's just, you know, another thing he had been putting together better starts, obviously had a really nice start there in Pittsburgh. So 
even if this only keeps him out for a minimal amount of time, it still is, you know, something that potentially derails his progress there. And so uh, the Cubs do call up Sergio Alcantara, a a young middle infielder uh, from AAA. He's a guy who has really uh, lit up the offensive uh, side of the game at AAA this year. Uh, only 79 plate appearances, but slashed 328 uh, with a 481 on base percentage and a 459 slugging percentage. And the defensive side of the ball is has always been there. He's you know rated as uh, a really plus defender and someone who can you know really play uh, solid defense. So that is a plus. Uh, Only uh, 24 years old, so a a young guy. And the interesting part of this decision is that uh, there are no options here. So the Cubs either have to have Alcantara up for the duration of the season, or they will have to, you know, play those games of trying to um, option him down. And, you know, then you have to pass him through waivers, then he has to accept the assignment and all that, which uh, for a 24-year-old, you know, really good fielder, I don't think that is going to happen. So you can read into that thinking that the Cubs really believe in him, uh, or they wouldn't care about losing him. And, you know, just given that he's a very solid defender who had uh, shown you something there at uh, AAA Iowa on the offensive side and, in you know, the, the short time he was there in 2021, I wouldn't think that that's someone the Cubs want to lose. So I, I think the read on that is that the Cubs probably plan to have him up for a while, and hopefully at the very least he can provide uh, plus defense in relief of David Bodie at third or, you know, certainly at second base with that position being open with Nico Horner out. So that is uh, the sort of updated roster news. And when you look at the Cubs roster, Anthony Rizzo uh, missing games still, you know, uh, this weekend with the back situation. Looking at who is injured, um, you know, Rizzo and uh, Trevor Williams, you know, not necessarily on the injured list, uh, but, you know, they're missing games. So 13 players currently injured, you know, from that main group, uh, Trevor Williams, Anthony Rizzo, David Bodie, Matt Duffy, Nico Horner, Jason Hayward, Jake Marisnik, Alec Mills, Justin Steele, Trevor McGill, Austin Romine, Jonathan Holder, and Rowan Wick. Yeesh, uh, that is a lot of guys. There's also a lot of hamstrings on this list, a lot of hamstrings, a lot of shoulders on this injured list. So it's, like I said, just the nature of things. It seems to be something that's happening around the league and certainly something that the Cubs are dealing with, and they are just going to have to continue trying to get by. And, you know, I think when you look back at the week that was, I I think it's very successful. You know, Uh, some of these injuries happened over the weekend, but to be able to, um, you know, win five of six that you played this week, a sweep in Pittsburgh, and then two of three against the Reds here, I think you take it, right? Like, again, as I said last time, and we've talked about this uh, a good bit, like, you'd love for the Cubs to just be killing everybody every day, you know, winning every game like eight to nothing, right? They're getting complete game shutouts. The offense is crazy, grinding at bats, you know, chasing pitchers in the early innings, hitting home runs, and, you know, just feeling dominant all the time, right? But that's just not where the Cubs are at right now. And when you have so many guys on the injured list, and this isn't to play like a woe is the Cubs game or anything like that, but the reality is the reality. You know, the the back end of the lineup, in the game on Sunday, uh, you know, with Contreras hitting fifth, 
you've got Ortega, Wisdom, Sogard, and the pitcher. Like, again, this is nothing against, uh, you know, or to like knock these guys or anything like that. But, you know, like that's not a great bottom portion of the order. And, you know, especially uh, some of these guys, you know, not necessarily anticipating being thrust into an everyday starting situation for a team that is a half game out of first place, right? It's a tough level of performance to maintain, um, even for the best players. It's tough to grind that out for 162 games. And, you know, when you have a bottom of the order that is full of guys that were really only intended to be depth, some not even necessarily at the major league level, it is just a tough spot and you just have to try to win games when and how you can and, and just sort of, uh, you know, deal with it going forward. So, you know, you can look at the performance uh, of Ortega. You know, he hit a home run, but he's also striking out a good bit in in the limited time he's been up here. Patrick Wisdom has had some nice swings, um, you know, hit the home run uh, earlier this week, and I had one of those balls uh, for sure uh, this weekend at Wrigley that he struck pretty well that I think got got caught in the wind and, you know, otherwise would have been a home run. Um, And, you know, then you've got Sogard, you know, who is who he is, uh, but it just feels not really pragmatic to dig into each of these guys or, you know, talk about like who should be playing or who shouldn't be playing because at this point it it's not much of a choice, right? Like you just are trying, you're playing who you got and trying to get through it and, uh, survive just sort of it's you know it's sort of like a survive and advance mentality so um I I think you know you certainly want to see more uh from Ortega and you know wisdom has had time at the major league level before so you know perhaps can catch a little lightning in a bottle there and uh you know for uh, uh as you know whatever I, I think Sogard is you know you saw it this weekend like there's times where he makes a lot of weak contact but Every now and again, like that weak contact uh, finds a hole or, you know, it drags the shortstop to shallow left field and they can't throw him out or he'll take uh, a walk with the bases loaded, things like that. So each of those guys have found ways to contribute uh, and, and do their thing and help the team win a little bit here. So you just have to lean on these guys. As far as updates, I don't think we have definitive timelines on anyone. Hopefully Anthony is back soon. This is one of the things that the Cubs do that kind of drives me and I would assume a lot of you nuts um, because they just do this so often where, uh, you know, we know Anthony deals with his back for 10-ish games a year, right? A lot of people make it into, I think, a bigger thing than it is. It's, It's really a handful of games every year, but it seems like every year, it ends up being pretty close to 10 days or a little more than 10 days, whatever it is. And you look back and you go, I know you don't want to put Anthony on the IL because you don't want him to miss more games than he needs to. And if it's only a couple days, you don't want to put him on the 10-day IL. But it's almost always a decent chunk of games. And they almost always end up playing down a man, right? Just with a limited bench for the duration of that process. And it it's just kind of infuriating, right? Like just get another healthy body up here. Let Anthony rest for 10 days. I, I just don't get it. They know it better than me. Rizzo knows his back better than me. So, uh, you know, there, there's obviously stuff that I just don't know here, but it just, it like, it, right? It just seems like we do this same thing 
every year, and especially with how many guys are out and hurt, it just would be nice to be able to bring up another body, right? Uh, whether it's a pitcher, a hitter, it doesn't even matter, but just you're playing down a man, and they do it a lot. The Cubs do it a lot, and I am not positive why. So uh, that is what it is, um, but it, you know, you're just trying to get by. So uh, beyond Rizzo, Hayward uh, should be eligible to come off uh, the IL, I think, in a few days here. I don't know if he's going to immediately come back. Um, you know, again, the nature of some of these injuries, you know, I don't know if they're going to want these guys going on rehab stints or to just continue in their progress, but you, you don't want to rush anybody back. Uh, so I don't know if he'll come off right then, but, you know, the progress reports have been good, running, doing some hitting, um, you know, agility stuff. So, you know, I think the key is that, uh, and that's also the case for Jake Marisnik, who is eligible to come back whenever. He can come back whenever. Um, but, you know, still, same thing. Uh, Marisnik's been out for a decent chunk of time, so don't know if they'll want to send him down to just see some live pitching, get back into game action before he's back out there with the Cubs, but is hitting, is running. Uh, I think there was a video of him from Marquis doing some base running work and stuff like that. And the key is just that these guys are in a position to come back, right? That they're not dealing, at least right now, with injuries that are going to keep them out for months or going to, you know, take them out for the season. If you have to give them a little extra time, you know, beyond the 10 days, couple weeks, whatever, cool, fine. As long as these guys are able to come back at some point and help out. I think you can weather the storm for a little bit, especially if Anthony's able to get back in there. You know, then you're able to lengthen the lineup a little bit, get Contreras or Hap down to that six spot. And, you know, you're only subbing in some of these, uh, you know, more replacement type guys in a couple spots in the lineup. But as long as these guys are able to get back there, I think you're you're happy with that and you're you're cool looking forward to that. So that is kind of the the state of the team here. I, I you know, I wish I had a more eloquent way of talking about these injuries and stuff like that, but honestly, like it just it does seem somewhat pointless to really delve too deep into each of these guys. Um, I, I will say I would like to see Alcantara get more of a look. I think anytime you have a 24-year-old who's been really hot at the plate in AAA, I think he's had a high um, BABIP, you know, so a lot of balls falling in, but he's taken walks. And when you're pairing that with great defense I want to see, I want to see that get a look because I think at the very least, um, the defense is important. And especially with the pitching staff that the Cubs have, I would sell out for defense. And I know there's going to be opportunities where he's going to look at someone like Sogard and want some more contact in there, um, or look at someone like Wisdom who, you know, or Ortega, you know, have shown you a little more pop and, and, you know, maybe you want to see if they can run into one. You know, I don't care if you strike out three times a game, just try to run into one, right? Something like that. But I think with where you are, with how stretched thin you are, give me a high quality double play combination. Give Javi someone to really turn those double plays with and eat up those ground balls because I think that's going to be more beneficial to the team. Uh, 
in the immediate than what we see on offense. Again, you'd love for Alcantara or, you know, Ortega or Wisdom to get in there, get hot at the plate, and just really help you out from an offensive perspective, but you never know about that, right? And so, but the one thing that we do seem to know is that Alcantara is a really good fielder. So get him out there, let him do his thing there, and, uh, you know, try to capitalize at least on something that you know, right? You know that that skill is good and will play at the major league level, so I would like to see that. Um, So otherwise, though, you know, you just kind of got to take it day by day, right? Um, Have to see what pitcher you're going up against and who you want to get in there. And yeah, and and really at this point, just hope that the rest of these guys can stay healthy because you're really leaning on, you know, Javi and KB and Jock and Ian Happ to stay healthy out there and to contribute at the level that, uh, you know, they've contributed at in the past. You know, we've talked about Wilson Contreras, you know, he's down, uh, his OPS is now down about 774, hitting 247 on the season. Ian Happ's at 206, hitting uh, with a 705 OPS on the season. So, you you know, again, like you don't want to put too much pressure on these guys because they have their own adjustments to make. Their career is on its own trajectory, but you need these guys to step up um, with just, it's just the nature of where the team is, right? Like you just need, you know, someone like Hap, you need him to get right and to, you know, stay on that right track uh, from where he's been coming off of the injured list and, you know, start to veer back more towards, you know, how he looked at the beginning of that 2020 season. It's a lot to put on these guys, right? I always say that, you know, it's sometimes not fair to uh, sort of immediately be like, hey, we need you to step up now, you know, like not over the course of 162 games. We need it right now. Uh, But that's where the Cubs are. They're just stretched so thin that you need these guys to step up and start delivering for you a little bit. So I I think that that's all I really have. I want to preview the upcoming series with the Padres and then look a little bit at the Cubs schedule going forward. But in general, like it's, it's, it's harder to really dig into some of these, uh, some of these things because they're, they're playing with what they got right? And, you know, like when when you have a lineup uh, on Sunday, and I think it was similar on Saturday, you know, Peterson, Bryant, Baez, Hap, Contreras, Ortega, Wisdom, Sogard, Arietta, it just, it, you know, I, I can't really come on here and rip them for not doing a better job against Tyler Malley. Like, they're getting by with what they have. They're, they're surviving and just trying to win games, and they find themselves a half game out of first place as we are just about in June here. And I I think that is uh, about all you can ask for from this team. They've they've weathered a good bit of injuries. Uh, they've you know had some some guys step up you know in the role positions that they were um, you know supposed to be in coming out of spring training. And they find themselves exactly where we all wanted them to be: competitive and right in the thick of things in this NL Central division. The bullpen, of course, has been lights out. The starting rotation has been a lot better than it was uh, at the beginning of the season. And they're just going to have to take it night by night and try to find the offense where they can get it. So the 
upcoming series with the Padres. Uh, again, now we do have a TBD, uh, as I'm recording this on Sunday night, for the Cubs. It was supposed to be Trevor Williams. Um, that game is on Monday. It is a 120 start. It'll be uh, Chris Paddock for the San Diego Padres. He is 2-3 and three with a 3.61 ERA. On Tuesday, it is a 7.05 start back at Wrigley Field. Weathers for the Padres, he is 2-1 with a 1.31 ERA versus Kyle Hendricks, 5-4 with a 4.63 ERA. Weathers is a lefty, for those of you keeping track. And then the finale on Wednesday is also a 120 start. So 120 on Monday, 120 on Wednesday, and then a night game in the middle on Tuesday. It'll be Lamette for the Padres, a right-hander, 1-0 with a 2.57 ERA, and Adbert Alzali getting back out there, 3-4 with a 3.81 ERA. So that is the probables for the series with the Padres, and here's what I want to delve into with the schedule coming up. Uh, The month of June is not going to be easy for the Chicago Cubs. So after the Padres series at Wrigley, they head to San Francisco to play the Giants, uh, who are vying uh, for you know one of the top spots there in that NL West. They've been very good to start this season. Then they are out in San Diego to revisit these San Diego Padres. The Cardinals come to town in the middle of the month. Then the Cubs go to New York to play the Mets back home to play the Marlins and the Indians, and then at the end of the month, the Dodgers and the Brewers. So there are a lot of first place teams in there. There are a lot of teams that are over 500 in there. So really all that I want to say on that is this is going to be a tough stretch. And I think looking at it to start this month, I would set a goal of finishing this month in a similar spot that you're in right now, which is feeling like you are either in first place, obviously that's the ideal spot to end the month, um, but at the very least in striking distance. Um, this is not. This would not be an easy schedule if the team was at full strength. It is certainly a bit of a gauntlet uh, when you have 13 guys on the injured list and you're not really sure when some of them are coming back. And, you know, they're dropping like flies, basically, right? Like Bodie on Saturday, and then we get the news after the game on, on Sunday that Trevor Williams isn't making his start on Monday. So, this stuff keeps coming, the hits keep coming, and they and they may keep coming, and, and they're coming for every team in the MLB. So you're going to have to just deal with that, but this is a tough schedule. So the Cubs have recently done a very good job. They're playing a lot of one-run games. They're playing a lot of close games, and they have shown the ability to win those games. They have shown the ability to get good starts from their starters and and shut down a couple innings with the bullpen. They have also shown the ability for their bullpen to step up and cover a lot of innings if the starter needs to get cut short and David Ross wants to keep a game close. The offense has shown the ability to put up uh, you know big run totals, crooked numbers at times, but for the most part, they've shown the ability to get key hits, to hit situationally, and put across the amount of runs they need to win games on a nightly basis and just get it done, right? And and I know that's a lot of cliches and, and stuff like that, and it's all 
situational on a night-by-night basis, but over the last month, for sure, we have seen this Chicago Cubs team show us that they know how to win games, and more importantly, they know how to win close games. This team knows how to play close, tight games make the defensive plays they need to when they need to, get the relief pitching they need to when they need to, come up with that clutch hit. They have shown the ability to do this. Now the question becomes, can they continue to do that in a tough schedule with half of their roster on the injured list? We'll see. This is going to be a big test for this team, especially because it's going to take us into July. It's going to take us towards that all-star break and take us towards that trade deadline where we're all waiting to sort of see what they're going to do. So I think, you know, again, the I think the baseline expectation for this schedule coming up is just maintain the spot that you're in. You are right in the thick of it in this NL Central and just get through this part until you can start getting some of these players back, get your roster up to strength, and then put your focus on going on a run and going in for the kill there, in for that NL Central. And I would love to see them do that to start and just take it to the Padres here. And I, I believe they can do it. I don't I, I I hope that, you know, suggesting that this is a tough schedule and just hoping you find yourself, you know, at or around first place at the end of this. I don't mean that to sound pessimistic. It's just sort of trying to be realistic. Like there's just a lot of guys on the injured list. They are playing with a lot of band-aids and a lot of subs, you know, being asked to carry a pretty significant portion of this burden here. And so it's just not going to be easy. So I, I just want to have uh, realistic expectations and, you know, not try to ask too much uh, of them. They played very well to start this 2021 season through the month of May. They find themselves uh, a half game out of first place. And as I said in the last episode, they deserve to be there. This team right now deserves to be a first-place team. They have played well. They have weathered storms. But this is going to be a test. This is going to be a test for this team. So let's we'll take it day by day, which I think is what David Ross is doing and what he kind of has to do in, in filling out his lineup and stuff. And just uh, as, as fans, you know, help the team, root for the team, support the team, and, and just take it day by day. Just try to win tonight's ball game, get those 27 outs, and fly the W at the end of the night. So I think that's all I have for you. Um, again, appreciate you guys uh, indulging us, you know, with Brendan out. Um, I I do my best. I, I'm a bit of a rambler, I think, as you guys might know. So I do my best to try to keep these thoughts concise and, uh, you know, to the point. Um, but I, I apologize if there's any rambling in there. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, even though it is just me, thank you guys for being patient uh, with Brendan while he's trying to get himself healthy. And thank you guys for supporting the Cubs Related Podcast. Uh, it's going to be a fun series here with the Padres. Uh, you know, sort of mixed feelings. I'm, I, I, I wouldn't have minded seeing you back at, at Wrigley just so we can get a standing ovation when he goes to the plate or when he takes the mound. I don't specifically have an interest in watching what you Darvish would do against this lineup. Um, so I'm glad he's not pitching. So let's just leave it at that. I'm glad he's not pitching. Um, it would have been nice to see him, but you know what? You will catch you another time. All right. Come back to Wrigley when our lineup is at full strength and, and we can really try to, uh, give you our best effort. But, uh, anyway, 
Let's try to win a series here. Keep that that streak uh, of winning series here going forward. And, uh, you know, again, hopefully by the end of this series, uh, the Cubs can find themselves in first place. They're they're right there. So it is for the taking, uh, and I would like to see the Cubs take it. So, again, thank you for listening. We will talk to you uh, in the middle of the week here when the Cubs and Padres finish up. And as always, go Cubs.